Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm super excited to bring you today's featured guest all the way from Australia, Mark Rosenfeld. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And let me just give a little background so the folks listening, if they haven't heard of you, can understand a little bit more about you. Uh, after struggling with severe social anxiety throughout his high school years and, and early years of college, Mark, after, you know, kind of some fits and starts, he, he actually turned things around in 2009. And he was he was soon teaching confidence in life and in dating to, to other shy men. And he actually began work on Make Him Yours in 2014, where he was actually sharing his expertise to help women stop the frustrating patterns in their dating lives and, and start attracting the men they deserve. Since then, Mark has risen to become Australia's most popular dating and relationship coach with over 25 million video views and more than 10 years of Mark's content now consumed by viewers every month. He runs events around the world. He's been featured on ABC, uh, Newscom uh, Australia, Style Magazine, Thought Catalog, Elite Daily, and The Good Men Project. And as a little interesting side note, he's also a former male stripper and a former veterinarian. So that's a very interesting background, Mark. So do me a favor, take me, kind of give me a glimpse on how you got started doing the work that you're doing now. Yeah, so as, as Ken's kind of, by the way, that was a, a lovely introduction, Ken. As Ken's kind of talked about, you know, for those who don't know me, it was 15 years ago in high school, it was, I started with drawing and then around 10 years ago, just, just more and more of that. Basically I was, uh, had very few friends or zero romantic connections. Uh, and it basically just got to the point where I gave up one. There was one woman that was, that was interested in me. And then I finally, uh, uh, basically got put in the friend zone by her very quickly and kind of gave up. And it was a few months later, my friend introduced me to this concept of a, of a dating relationship coach. And I thought, you know, Oh my God, I can, I can work in this area. And it was pretty bad for a while. It was pretty awkward, but it, it came along. And then as Ken mentioned, I started working with men for a number of years. And then I sort of wanted to, this was while I was studying to be a vet, and then I wanted to push that confidence further. And that was when I sort of thought, oh, maybe I could do dancing. Uh, and that was, I did dancing for a little while. And it was interesting because I, I got, I coached men for quite some time and then got a little bit disenchanted with it, I guess. And I think because I came from a place when I started needing a, a dating relationships coach myself, I was coming from a place of, of an emotional connection scarcity uh, rather than a sexual connection scarcity because I was a virgin at the time. And because of that, I actually resonated a little more with the problems women have than the problems men have. And uh, yeah, I was able to 
to sort of start work on making yours, started writing some blogs, got some clients, and then it, it grew and seems to have been really appreciated from there. Fantastic. That's awesome. And I, I love the journey where you, you know, you started working with guys and then you realize, hey, maybe I can help women out. And, and you just jumped over to, to support whoever you could in, in relationships, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I found it a fair bit more satisfying. Ah. Yeah, and that was why I kind of dedicated my life to it. So I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, do me a favor, because one of the things that obviously we're focusing on partnership on this show, and I'm always curious for you personally, Mark, like what's your favorite, I call it a guiding principle, but it could be a, a quote or a mantra, but what's that kind of touchstone you come back to if you ever notice that you're kind of off in the weeds regarding your partnerships? Great question. So sort of a single, like a single concept that brings it back. Yeah. Brings you back. I sort of go, I think there's two. I think there's, there's two that I think around. The first is, is this person adding value to my life? And by value, I obviously don't mean financially. I mean, is this person, you know, is, is, is this person adding some kind of value? Am I enjoying my time with them? Am I growing around them? Am I learning things with them? Do I, you know, am, am I glad this person's in my life? Because I coach, especially, especially when I started coaching women, I realized there's so many of us that, that are in 12-month partnerships that haven't added value for six months. Uh, you know, we're still living in six months ago. So you've got to play what's in front of you. So one of the questions is, is this person, person adding value to my life? And that has to be balanced with the question of, you know, when we get frustrated, when there's a problem, uh, is this problem something I can live with? Because we also live in a very picky society. We live in a very super society. And, and relationships aren't based on the good particularly romantic ones, they're based on how well you do during the bad. So you might, you know, you've got someone who's regularly adding value, it's great, and then they, they piss you off one day and you get tempted to, to jump on Tinder or go back out in the field, like maybe I can get someone better who doesn't have this problem. Um, the question is not, does someone have problems? The question is, does someone have problems I can live with? So every time I find a frustration or a problem, uh, I go, well, you know, is this a deal breaker? Or is this something that I could live with? Uh, and I think the important thing is to, to look at those two, say, all right, if I'm in this partnership, is it adding value to my life? Majority, yes, great, yes, great, play what's in front of me. If it's not, then that partnership either needs to be changed or removed. Uh, but if there is just a problem or a frustration on the day-to-day, -day, I say, well, even though it's tempting to play the superficial card, is this problem really something that's worth ending a partnership over? Because every partner's going to have problems. The question is not whether they have problems. The question is, are these problems something I can live with? Yeah, those are some great reminders because you're so right. It's, it's not about the good times. It's about how you handle the bad times. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to happen. <laughs> there's there's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's so, so true. So I'm curious because one, one of the things that our listeners love about this show, Mark, is, is our guests are always so generous in, in sharing their own personal experiences and their stories. And, and I'm just wondering, like, we were talking about, you know, how do you handle those bad times? Well, do me a favor. Would you take us to a time in your life when 
you kind of tripped up in a partnership and, and, you know, tell us that story. What were you doing? What'd you trip on? And, and ultimately what did you learn from that experience that has helped you move forward? Yeah, cool. Cool. So I think one partnership that I learned a lot from uh, that kind of, that kind of, there's, there's probably actually two. The, the first one was quite a short one. Uh, and it's amazing how sometimes the, the short partnerships can teach us a lot too, because I think that really gets under, undervalued. Mm-hmm. Woman, I met a woman actually in a nightclub in, it, it's about 200 kilometers, 150 odd miles from here out west. And neither of us were from that city. Uh, and until I sort of met her, I, the, the whole love at first sight, I, I don't buy into that concept, but, but crazy chemistry at first sight. This was the first time I'd experienced that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was sort of passion, 100 miles an hour from the get-go, lots of texting. Uh, we went together that evening and then next morning, and then it was, she lived down in Melbourne, so quite a way away, but we were coming backwards and forwards and seeing each other. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what we were really doing was getting high off each other. Uh, not through the external drugs, but just riding that roller coaster of crazy passion. And she came up a couple of times and then we'd have these, these um, amazing stays together. And then I noticed between times, she'd just be a little funny with her, with her texting. And, and it was the first time in a long time, it was a couple of years ago, first time in a long time, I noticed anxiousness returning to my dating pattern. And I noticed myself overthinking and checking my phone and entering into a, an anxious kind of pattern. Um, and then she'd come up and it would be completely nothing. And so I'd always think every, every time I'd see her, I'd think, okay, well, this is clearly, this is very obvious she's into you. Like, there's absolutely no doubt, no way this person's faking it. They're just a bad texter or they're just a bad caller um, because she was, man, was she unreliable by that means. So that happened a few times. And I can, I can just notice more and more myself playing out this anxious pattern that I'd never, ever played out before with anyone, really. And finally, one time, there was a, a fair gap, I think about five weeks between visits. And again, it's texting, inconsistency was happening. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And uh, she eventually comes up, but didn't really let me know when. And then when she did, I went down to visit her and I had some work to do because I went down to the, the Gold Coast, which is about 60 miles away. But then didn't get a text from her that she was down there. and. So I'm waiting at the Gold Coast, kind of like, do I go back to Brisbane? Do I wait for her to text me? Just in, in this, this weird place. And then finally she texts and, and we meet up again and, and she's all warm again. I'm just like, what? Why are you so insecure, Mark? You keep overthinking this. She's clearly, clearly into you. Uh, and then we part ways that day and she just, what did she do? She, uh, she responded to one more text and then... The next text I got from her, which was a day and a half later, she'd flown back to Sydney and she apologized. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been useless. Um, I'll call you tomorrow and explain everything. And so she, I said, yep. Okay. I appreciate you, your apology. And um, sure. Look forward to it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And she never called. And that was the last I ever heard from her. So mm-hmm. to this day, I have no idea what happened there. Um, now that wasn't the healthiest partnership. 
And it wasn't the, the classic example of a, a great couple or anything like that. But it taught me so much about, in terms of chemistry, when someone lights up part of yourself that you haven't lit up and about trusting your instincts. Mm-hmm. Because I realized way, way later was that even though I was in a very confident space at the time, and even though, like I said, I hadn't been anxious in quite a while, uh, I managed to, to get myself anxious around this woman and, and get obsessed with her, even though it was quite a short relationship. And when someone lights up part of our brain, part of our energy, whatever you want to call it, that we haven't fully owned within ourselves, especially if they light it up at a significant level compared to what's normal for you, uh, our brain starts to become obsessed with that. And it thinks that we need that person to have us feel that way. And as long as it believes that, like an external drug, it's going to become obsessed with it and then go through massive withdrawals if that source is taken away. Uh, So I really learned from that, even though it was short and even though it wasn't the best ending, I really learned about a couple of parts of myself that that I'd been disowning. And I realized those wounds went all the way back to high school when I was never, ever the popular kid. Uh, And as many of us do in high school, we kind of think, oh, you know, if if I could date the the prettiest person or if I could date that really cool, cool guy, I could fit in a lot better. I'd be more popular. And I realized that that was what she was lighting up when I was dating her is that I I had this feeling of popularity, of importance, of all these things that I hadn't let myself feel. And so I ended up getting getting obsessed and ignoring my intuition. And when we ignore our intuition, we tend to enter an anxious pattern, even if you're already secure. So I had to to have a good hard look at what happened there and realize that in fact, I had not owned this part of myself for a long time. And because she lit that up, suddenly, it became a reason to ignore my intuition that was going the whole time that, that she wasn't consistent. And so, yeah, even though it, even though it didn't have the, the best ending, it, it taught me a very real lesson about what codependency looks like, uh, what going, and if you can see, like I got out of that fairly unscathed, but I can see how if I'd done six months of that, or if I chased her more, it would have been a gradual, just steady decline in my self-esteem, steady decline into a long-term anxious pattern. Uh, and I haven't felt anxious with anyone since. You know, it's always music to my ears when a client says, Mark, I'm, I've met, met this guy, I'm really attracted to him, things are going great. And it feels very calm. Mm. Great relationships should always feel very calm. It's not a roller coaster. Uh, and with this woman, it was definitely a roller coaster. And it's really given me even though I maybe already knew some of it intellectually, it gave me the best emotional and energetic lesson about what codependency looks and feels like and how if you ignore your instincts, you can train yourself, even a secure person can train themselves into an anxious pattern. Yeah, that is a great, great example. And, you know, I love what you said about it was, you know, it was kind of like a drug. It was getting a high. And oh, yeah. We'd spend three hours going, I need another hit. And in between that, you're worried you'll never get another one and you're freaking out and you're, where are they? How come I haven't heard from them? And it is, it's a giant roller coaster. And roller coasters can be fun, but if you live on them, you'll get very sick. <laughs> yes. Well said. Yeah. And, and it's exhausting. Yeah. Because it it's is. not actually feeding you. 
It is, yeah. It's uh, it's like it's, eating sugar. Like, oh, yeah. I have much energy, but there's no nutrition there. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah, no, that's such a great example, and and I, I'm one. I'm grateful that that you know you did come out fairly unscathed. But I also it, it's so great that you walked away and you went, okay, what can I learn from this? Even though I've been secure and felt pretty confident for quite a while now, it can still happen. Oh yeah, and um, anytime you know someone lights something up, anytime you feel that obsessive that that roller coaster feeling yeah it's it's you go look inwards okay is there part of myself uh, i haven't owned owned here and um when i i had i didn't really know this at the time but if i'd been then if i had that experience again what i'd do as well because it was a long recovery that was probably a even though we only knew each other three or four months it was it was probably the best part of a four to six month withdrawal for me. Mm -hmm. Very disproportionately long recovery. And um, realizing what I know now about, about codependencies and also about masculine and feminine energies. And, and what I do now as well would be to dive into my own feminine a lot more deeply. And that's the way you recover a lot more quickly because you'll be using your own energy, which isn't really something us men are trained to do, or women for that matter. Uh, to recover and find that equal and opposite energy within yourself rather than just kind of burying through the withdrawals. And it would certainly have been a shorter process had I known that. Yeah, no, and and you make a really good point because it is a disproportionate um, recovery, right? So you're saying, yeah. you're going, oh, this is only a couple of weeks. How come it took me out for six months? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And um, sometimes the relationships that are the longest, you know, you've actually kind of weaned off them by the end of it sometimes. Uh, and sometimes it's the short ones that get you. So yeah. it, there's a bit of, it can go either way. Don't, don't be angry at yourself if you go, wait a minute, I've only known him like a little period. Why am I so, you know, hung up on this? Uh, that's, that's normal and it probably probably indicates there's a good opportunity for growth there. Yeah, entirely. And, and I'm really interested in, in finding out a little bit more about what you said, because um, it's really powerful when you said, um, when you ignore your intuition, you're going to become insecure, even if you were normally a secure person. Yeah. Help us understand that, because I mean, I know I hear that from the women I work with all the time. You know, I don't trust myself anymore and I don't trust that I can trust my inner guidance, my intuition. So help us understand that a little bit more. I think you always know. I mean, for example, I, I've worked with one client and she, she's a very hardworking woman. She has risen very, very highly in her career and has done ridiculous things in a, a very large one of the large commonly known fields. And when she was, I think when she was in her early 20s, she had this one relationship for about six years and it was very stable, very secure. Uh, and, she, and she uses that and we use that as a kind of a reference example. Mm -hmm. That relationship, and to this day, she still says it was the right decision. It was ended for the right reasons at the time. Uh, and then since then, started to date a couple of guys in her later 20s, early 30s that started to point some things out 
gaslight a little bit, call her needy or insecure for, for wanting what I from the outside would perceive what you'd perceive as very standard things. So the example was, I'll give you an example. She, she had this, as I say, early 20s, six-year, very healthy, balanced relationship. And then in her early 30s had this one which uh, the guy was basically, he was hiding her away. Mm. So not introducing, like, like always wanted to hang out inside, not wanting to be seen in public with her. And what can sometimes happen is that in our early 20s, we're in a place of abundance. We, we don't accept shit. We're like, I've got time. We, we feel like we've got a time abundance. And when you go from abundance to scarcity in any trade, financial and in, in anything at all, you start to risk your, it gets tempting to risk certain boundaries and standards. So in her early 30s, there was a guy who, as I say, was hiding her away and her instincts sort of cropped up and said, this isn't right. And she spoke to him about this and he said, oh, you're just being needy. You're just wanting validation. So she kind of pushed that instinct down and went, oh, okay, maybe he's right, doubted that a little bit. And over time, his feedback on her neediness, on her wanting validation became, it, it, because she grew to trust herself less, that feedback from him became increasingly saw herself as needy, had to push that away. She saw herself as validation seeking, had to push that away. Really started to question herself and her whole intuitional foundation became kind of almost got pushed to the side. Mm. And without that foundation, it's very hard to make your own decisions. It's very hard to have a self-efficacy. It's very hard to really do much of anything on your own. So you become interdependent, sorry, you become codependent on this person, this other person. Because increasingly, your system, which action signals from the top of your brain cortex are only going to get through to action in your life if they can pass security, safety, and love and belonging tests in your lower brain. Mm -hmm. Because increasingly, her intuition could not be trusted and be pushed aside, fewer and fewer signals will get out of your brain. Literally, it's, I always say to my clients, imagine there's like four guards standing kind of in your, in your lower brain, checking every signal that goes through from your cortex to either your voice or your physical actions. And if all four guards, if any one of them rejects the idea that you have, the signal that you have, it sends it back. And, and even though you know what you need to do, you won't do it. So when you don't have your intuition in tow, telling you it's safe, telling you you're right, telling you, uh, you know, that, that you will have more love and connection if you do put a boundary in place. If that intuition goes, the guards at the base of your brain start to overcompensate and they block healthy signals because you're doubting yourself now. Mm -hmm. And so she starts doubting herself. Her confidence gets further eroded. And pretty soon she's, she's entering that codependency. She's, because she's accepted this, this person's frame and because she's pushed down her and quote unquote neediness, what he called neediness and validation, she's pushed that down. Uh, she's now stuck. She's now stuck. She's codependent and she's losing self-esteem. Like it's almost like losing money. It's you can sort of watch it go away at the casino. She's watching it go away in a bad relationship. This is why intuition is so important. Yeah. And the video, I, I've created a few pieces of content on intuition versus insecurity. 
and really knowing that, okay, what is my intuition telling me about this? Just getting into that. It's always a relaxed feeling. We won't feel like fight or flight. It's like, all right, what's the intuition saying to me here? Because it really is so important that that gets, that, that you own that and that, that you trust it because it, it has the answer. And I was actually talking to this client not too long ago. And because she pushed down this side of herself that what was the guy called can be needy, but in fact, all of us are needy, mm-hmm. right? All of us need validation at times. We're kidding ourselves if we think we don't. It's, it's just when it's, when it's confidently communicated, it will usually be done in a playful way. And, and there will be a certain level of intuition in that woman that says, yeah, I'm okay. I do like need this person like I need a certain level of attention from my partner. Like I'm not going to sit around with my partner ignoring me and, and have that's okay. And then have him tell me that I'm being needy. It's like, no, like I'm going to be needy. Like I want like some attention from my partner and they own that. But she pushed that side down because of this relationship. And now she has to get back her sort of healthy needy. If you want to call it that her healthy, healthy desire for attention and healthy desire for validation. Um, and that's all normal stuff. So when your intuition gets pushed, pushed aside, the insecurities come in and you don't know what's your healthy needy or healthy validation anymore. So that's where the self-doubt comes in and the self-doubt leads to the closing of the lower brainstem. And once that gets shut off, you can't make good decisions because even though you have the idea and you know what you should do, nothing will get through the survival brain. Yep, 100%. That was a great explanation. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. So I can't believe how quickly our time has run off, but I, I want to do this. This is really great because this is a part of our show I call bring it all home. And so now we're going to step away from stories and I, I'm going to ask you to just leave some simple like bullet point type of, of guidance for our listeners so that they can you know take this and run with it right away. And, and where I want to start is I'm curious for you personally, like what's the best partnership or relationship advice you've ever received? What's the best partnership or relationship advice you've ever received? I think I'd probably say straight off the top of my head on top of what I was saying before, which is, is this a problem I can live with? The next best would be find a win-win. Anytime there's going to be problems, you, you may have some kind of, what I'd say is this, anytime, any relationship, you're going to have problems. We said before, ask yourself, is this a problem I can live with? And then work together. If, if your partner says, okay, this is not a problem I can live with. This is clashing with value or something like that. The, the goal is to find a win-win. And if you can find that with your partner somewhere where, okay, we, we can turn this thing from each of our angle into something that maybe isn't perfect, but it's a thing we can both live with. Okay, he, well, he's just going to go out once. He goes out twice a week to do his thing. She wants him home two nights. Okay, the, the win-win, the problem we can live with is a one-one ratio, right? That's, it's not what we both perfectly want, but it is a problem we can live with. Okay, is, is this problem that's in front of me one that long-term I would be okay living with? Like if this was, if this was as bad as it got and if this continued, would this be okay? Could this match up or is this a no for me? That would be the first one. 
I think the second one, which is really interesting, would be the incorporation of space, which is particularly if you're doing monogamy, such an important thing. And Esther Perel talks about this a lot, which mm-hmm. is a way that you can have that distance to create excitement again. Because the idea of monogamy will always, there'll always be a lot of security in monogamy, but there'll always be a lack of potentially excitement and variety. And one of the best ways to build that back in is to have that little bit of space there where you can do your own thing, making sure you're in your own space and have your partner come to you. And I'd say number three would be having the whole individuals underneath, which is when you're really whole within yourself, you'll be able to take that space easily, you'll be secure, you'll have your energies balanced and you're going to have your partner come to you long-term. The best relationships really will be two full individuals, two full soulmates coming together as, as almost complementary four soulmates in one, in a two partnership. So that's, that's something that always stuck with me and something that I think whenever I've been in something that's really, really healthy has been clearly evident. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, great advice. Thank you. And do me a favor. Cause I mean, obviously we could go on for a long time here, but yeah, let's make sure our listeners know how they can contact you and learn more about your work. What's the best way for them to do that, Mark? Yeah, totally. So you can have a search for some of my work on YouTube under my name, Mark Rosenfeld, and that will, that will show you all of a lot of my content, all different heaps of free stuff there that you can enjoy. And then if you do want to get in touch with me, you can email Mark at makehimyours.com.au. You can email Mark at makehimyours.com.au. And there's also a booking link as well that uh, either me or my assistants can can send you there. Perfect. Fantastic. And anybody who's scrambling for a pen, you can relax. We'll put this on the show page. It'll be really easy. There'll be a link there and you can contact Mark directly through that. So just go to speakingofpartnership.com, type in Mark's name and boom, you'll be right there. So, Mark, this has been great. I I love the stories. They're such great illustrations. I know everyone listening has learned a ton today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Ken, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.